in perfect African fashion, this podcast is coming to you late. Not only is it hard to find good Wi-Fi here in the city of Manzini, but it is also hard to find a quiet space to record during All Squad Month. But nonetheless, you're listening to the Created For More podcast, and of course, that means I am Morgan White, once again all by my lonesome to bring you an update of what's been happening since the last episode and recent things I've been processing and learning. Like I said, it's all squad month here, so I have the great pleasure of being with all 37 of my favorite world racers who I've been traveling with from country to country. In a lot of ways, it's a breath of fresh air to be surrounded by them, uh, living in one large, cohesive community, and it really feels like reuniting with family when we all get together again. Uh, As an introvert, though, I struggle a little because it is so hard to find personal space away from others where I can recharge after a long day of ministry. But as a lover of deep conversations and mutual understanding, I truly enjoy all squad months and being able to talk with everybody after not seeing them for a bit. Um, And I do have the retreat of my tent. I'm currently sitting in my tent right now, which has been serving as my little house for the past couple of weeks. Most people have been using their tents this month. There's um, an exception for a few, but uh, several people have also experienced... Uh, flooding overnight, unfortunately, because the water will seep into their tents if there's a leak somewhere. I'm happy to report that that has not happened to me, and my little orange tent from REI has been holding up really well, praise the Lord. During our last debrief, which was held in South Africa, our squad underwent team changes. This typically happens a couple times over the course of our 11 months on the race, and this time I was placed on a co-ed team with three other girls and three guys. We call ourselves Seventh Heaven and sing the theme song basically every team time, which is really funny. And if there's one obvious trait of this team, it's that it is packed with extremely bold and influential leaders. Like, it's actually really crazy to look around at my team and see who I was placed with after getting to know them throughout the past few months and to now just be surrounded by such great people. Um, I'm also kind of with an older team. Um, The age range, I think the oldest guy, he's like 36, um, turned 36 on the race. And then the youngest is also a guy and he's 22. But for the most part... Um, They're all kind of in like their upper 20s, except for me and the other guy who's 22. Um, So that's really fun. It's a pretty mature team, which I really enjoy and value. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I was surprised to be put on a team with guys. Um, I don't know. I just assumed that I would be with girls for the whole year. Even back at home, I mainly have like a lot of girlfriends and not a ton of guy friends, even though I get along really well with guys. Um, It's just kind of... like how the Lord has sort of blessed me with community and given me some really great girls that I've been able to um, get to know and love on. Um, And so I just assumed that that would also be the case on the race and had a really great first team of all girls um, that I got to know very well. And um, yeah, whenever we showed up to our new team placements, I don't know, I was just a little bit caught off guard. But nonetheless, I'm like super excited. Um, I love, love, love the guys on our squad. Uh, my card, I was talking to our squad leader, trying to ask her, you know, like, well, what was the thought process behind putting our team together? Um, Like, what did you think that I added to this team also? And she mentioned some random things, um, but she also said that whenever they were writing out our names on different cards and kind of shifting us all around and placing us into like these hypothetical teams and whatever, my card said, Morgan will raise up men. And it was a prophetic word from that squad leader. And she's like, that wasn't from me. That was from the Lord. Like, I just heard it in my spirit and I wrote it down. And I was like, uh, 
okay, like, what does that mean? Like, that's really weird. I would have never expected that. And she did not know what that necessarily meant. She kind of helped me brainstorm some different ideas, but she's like, you know, you should just take some time to pray about it, to think about it, and uh, see what you come up with. So that's something I'm still processing. Whatever that means, Morgan will raise up men um, to whatever extent, I guess. Um, I'm super curious. And uh, I don't know. I also just really want to learn all I can from the guys um, who are on our team. And from the girls, of course, I got placed with two of like, do uh, the two of like the girls that I met first before the race, like on our way to training camp. I already did a podcast with them, Ashley and Savannah. They're like my OGs. We joke around. I got placed on a team with them, which is super fun. Um, so that's really familiar. Um, and to also be placed with these guys, I just think we have a really rock solid team. Um, but I think it'll be so beneficial to see what it's like to serve as brothers and sisters in Christ and to figure out how they like to be loved and how I can best serve them. Um, yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, even though we were just placed on new teams though, to get to know and start caring for, we are not technically serving with our teams this month. (laughs) We've all been mixed around and assigned to various ministries with all the squad mates and I got placed in preschool ministry. This is actually my first month on the race where I'm officially working with kids, so that's pretty cool. Um, I really like being around kids. Um, I've never considered like being a teacher or anything like that, so it's kind of funny to be like put in this role of like a preschool teacher, like teacher's aide and that kind of thing. Uh, but I do really like interacting with kids. Sometimes it wears on you, but um, it's really fun. I'm with two other girls at this one specific school. And we showed up on the first day and kind of split ourselves up into a couple different classrooms and began listening to the teachers give a lesson when all of a sudden the one was like, okay, your turn. She just kind of looked at us and kind of gave us the floor and I was like, uh, okay. So we tried doing some basic things with them but had no idea like what kind of level of understanding they were at, like what they've already been covering the past few weeks that they've been in school. They've literally only been in school for like three weeks out of their whole lives. Um, so we weren't exactly sure what we were getting ourselves into, but she just kind of gave us the podium and we tried a little bit and kind of failed and they didn't really understand us. There's a pretty massive language barrier for the most part. But um, every day is a different experience and we're kind of picking up more and more on like what they are able to kind of handle and what sort of things we need to be doing with them as far as activities go or lessons go. And we kind of do a bunch of the same lessons that the teachers normally do in the mornings we just kind of watch them and then sort of do it the next day for them and kind of give them a break or whatever they really need sometimes it's just playing with them on the playground um another day we were walking to the school and it's like a long dirt road um and we see the first teacher pass us on the way except she's like going in the other direction she was headed back into town we're like oh hey where are you going she's like oh i have to take my son to the doctor and she's like holding the baby on her back and we're like oh, okay, cool, and we keep going, and then the other teacher, the second one in the classroom, she passes us, also going the opposite direction, and we're like, hey, uh, where are you going, and she said, I can't find the keys to the classroom, we're like, oh, like, what does that mean, like, what do we do, and she's like, oh, don't worry, the kids are in the hall, which is kind of like this sort of gymnasium would be like the closest comparison, and she's like, you can just go in there and keep an eye on them, all right, so we walk in there and just basically entertain them for a few hours, which was nuts, to say the least. It was absolute chaos sometimes. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just been a whirlwind of little learning experiences. I honestly get a headache every day and I've been trying to work on that and take medicine, drink more water. I think it's also a little, it's a little bit of dehydration, maybe a little bit of lack of caffeine or something. I'm not sure, but trying to work through that because you stand in the classroom and the kids are basically screaming the answers. And so there's not really a way to get away from the volume. And so if I want to be as present as possible and as helpful as possible, I need to kind of get these headaches um, under control. But I titled this episode Attack of the Smalls because my friend Abby on the squad, she calls little kids smalls. And I think it's hilarious. Um, So I kind of picked up on that. But also it feels like we're basically attacked by children every day. One girl pulled my skirt down halfway down my butt. And I was wearing spandex, like a pair of shorts underneath, thankfully, because they warned us that stuff like that would happen. But I was like, okay, sure. Um, But no, she like legit pulled my skirt down. And they'll just kind of run up to you and like cling to you you and hang on you and like it takes all of you not to fall over um and it's just a lot of energy all the time and it just um it can be a bit overwhelming sort of but (laughs) they also they're so well-meaning and they just they're so curious about you too and they just want to be seen and loved by you so you try to kind of divide up your tension as much as possible and um help them during class and walk around and put a little smiley face on their papers as they're going and Um, yeah, it's really fun and be able to go outside and just kind of run around with them and stuff too. And then after we're literally only there a few hours every day, just because it's preschool and their attention spans are only so long and then they, uh, get picked up pretty soon after we leave. So the days aren't very long. They're just super exhausting that by the time I come back, I go out to our house and lay on the porch outside in the shade and hope for a breeze and just kind of sit there for a bit and like process what just happened but even not even really processing because that's just too much mental exertion like sometimes I'm just sitting there just to relax for a second um but yeah I've enjoyed it it's been like kind of a fun change of pace versus some of the other stuff we've been doing and I'm really grateful for a variety and experiences within ministry since last month we did like different evangelism like public speaking and gardening and stuff like that and to now be placed with kids is pretty cool Uh, Sometimes we venture into town for groceries and whether we are headed to the grocery store or to the preschool for ministry, we ride in these big vans that serve as taxis. You just cram yourself in there and everyone is usually sweaty and smelly and oftentimes there's loud music playing over the speakers and a guy who opens and closes the sliding door and collects the cab fare. So you pass your little coins up to the front to pay for your ride and then climb over people to hop out whenever it's your stop. Um, It's kind of a funny little process, but the bus rink downtown um, in Manzini, where all the transportation sort of meets up at the center of the town, is absolutely one of the most chaotic things I've ever experienced. It's just vans are all over the place, and you just kind of have to watch out to make sure you don't get hit by them. They're not going super fast, but like they're just, I mean, they're crammed in there, and you're weaving between them, and there's like a market right outside of it, and just hundreds of people packed into such small spaces while they're all trying to find which like taxi they need and you know we don't speak the language most of them speak very basic English so you kind of like they help you out a little bit but for the most part I just kind of keep my head down and walk to the same spot that I know where our stop is and avoid all of like the men and all the people who are like saying different things to you and like looking at you because you're like the only white people (laughs) within a mile radius or whatever but um it's super chaotic 
Uh, in the afternoons, though, everyone comes home from work. So some of us are doing preschool. Some people are doing, like, office work at a church and at the Adventures and Missions base here in Manzini. Um, other people are doing, like, landscaping, agriculture kind of stuff. Just a variety of things. But everyone kind of comes back in the afternoon. And um, each team takes a turn to cook the squad dinner. And there's a little homestead that we operate out of with the tiniest kitchen I've ever seen in my life. And a common area with a couple couches and a small table and chairs. But most people just eat outside. And um, we have team time usually afterwards. Since it's the first few weeks in our new teams, we've all been taking turns sharing our testimonies and life stories, which has been a really fun process, actually. Um, I know when it was my night to talk, I walked away feeling really encouraged and appreciated because my teammates asked questions and gave me things to think about and affirmed me in various ways. And uh, my team leader, Savannah, so who has been featured on a different podcast episode before, um, she kind of asked me, like, I want you to sort of think about and start processing uh, how you receive love and why you might not receive love to the fullest extent. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, I've never really thought about that before. I didn't really think I had a problem in receiving love. Um, but then kind of after we were discussing it a little bit, I was like, okay, this is actually something worth exploring. But she said, like, a pattern in my testimony um, and, like, just something she has sort of noticed with even whenever I receive compliments from squad mates and teammates and stuff. And, like, I don't know, like, the way that I don't really enjoy, like, being in the spotlight and stuff. She's like, why that might be and, like, what do I feel like I'm withholding or, like, why don't I feel like I can fully embrace being loved or whatever. Just, like, we talked about some stuff that I've been kind of thinking about. Um, still haven't really come to any sort of conclusion, but I appreciated her kind of bringing that to light. Um, this guy Ryan on my team, um, he was like, I know something that you get affirmed on um, a lot is your voice, like your audible voice or whatever. Um, but he's like, I honestly, he's like, normally whenever I'm listening to somebody give their testimony or I'm just like having a conversation with somebody and we're swapping stories. He's like, I'm constantly just like talking to the Lord. Like I'm praying kind of while I'm listening to them. I'm thinking about other things. Like my attention is sort of off in different directions for whatever reason. He's like, but with you, I was really zeroed in the whole time, and I did not want to stop listening. He's like, I'm going to be honest, I, I was not praying to God at all during that whole time, and that's really, really unusual for me. Um, and he's like, but I truly think that you have an anointing in communication. And so that was really huge to hear. I, I highly appreciated that, um, but it was something really fun to think about, of like, what, like why that might be, and um, just really appreciated him kind of speaking speaking that over me um yeah and we talked about some other random stuff too and then they prayed for me and stuff like that but it was just a super cool life-giving process um that I think any team should definitely do right at the beginning my last team actually did not do that we shared some testimonies but not everybody got to go I didn't get to go and we just kind of forgot about it and let it slip through the cracks but I think it's actually a really valuable thing to get to know somebody's whole life story like just give them an hour or whatever they need to just like talk about the general progression of their life and how God's worked and like brought them to to where they are today and you really learn a lot about a person easily because it's their whole life and you get to kind of sit and listen to them talk about whatever they want to talk about um, that they've learned or like their family and life experience and stuff and it's really cool it's something that I really want to implement back at home um, because I've noticed even like recent friends that I had made in college like I didn't truly know like their full life story picked up on you know some things um, after a few months and stuff but I think it's nice to give people the opportunity to kind of um talk about themselves in that way and just like give their testimony 
so yeah, Swaziland has been a good experience so far because of all the excitement of new teams and all squad month. Um, we had a talent show the other night. That was a fun idea from our raised up squad leaders, three people from the teams, like, so from us got chosen to be squad leaders so that's a little bit of a different story and something else to explain but like they're just going to have serve in different roles of leadership on our squad so they had this idea to do a talent show and people could just kind of showcase whatever random talents they have and um, at first I was asked to be the co-host with the squad leader um, she was like, I want you to do it. She, she even announced it in front of the squad. She was like, I have a very special person that I'm going to ask to be my co-host, blah, blah, blah. And not a single percent of me thought that she was going to ask me. And then later that day, she's like, yeah, Morgan, I was talking about you. And I was like, what? I was like, no thanks. I really don't want to do it. I'm pretty okay. Um, there's just something about being put on the spot and being put in front of other people for the purpose of entertainment. Like, that just makes me feel super awkward. So I was like, I really appreciate the compliment that you'd want to do that with me, but I would rather not. And then other people were like, oh, are you going to give a speech? Like, you should recite something. And I was like, what? No, like, I'm not going to get up there. I just would rather watch and chill and, like, see whatever everybody else does. I, I love a good show and, like, laughing at other people. Like, that's super fun, but I would rather not be up there for other people to laugh at me. But <laughs> um, I don't know. But it was really fun to see, like, I'm serious, like, ten people to be like, oh, are you going to, like, recite a speech from, like, a president? And I'm like, what? No. Like, do you have a speech memorized? I don't have a speech memorized. Like, no thanks. Um, but then seriously, like two minutes before the thing was even starting, I like had my seat in the quote unquote audience, like in the grass. And then I was like, it would be really funny if we like did the Star Spangled Banner or something, you know, because it's almost like this is an event, you know, kind of like a sports event. Like we should should like say the Pledge of Allegiance or something. And my new teammate, Miguel, he's like, I have my kazoo. And I was like, okay and so we just quickly came up with this plan like he would play the kazoo for the national anthem and I would just recite the preamble of the constitution because like I don't know what else like that's one of the only things I have memorized it's a lot shorter than the star spangled banner though so we get up there and I was like oh yeah Miguel you might have to kind of play fast or else I'm just gonna end a lot quicker than you are and I'm just gonna awkwardly be standing there well that's what ended up happening um but it was really funny like one of the other squad leaders he's like okay like if everyone will please rise and people start freaking out I mean they're cheering and screaming at me and they're like Morgan Morgan I'm like you don't even know what's happening like they for sure thought I was singing the Star Spangled Banner that is not gonna happen I was like you don't even know what's going on <laughs> stop cheering um but it was really funny and so I was like a kazooing of the Star Spangled Banner and a recitement of the preamble to the constitution and so he plays and literally like after however many seconds like I'm done with the preamble so I just put my hand over my heart and like the whole crowd just starts singing the national anthem and it was really sweet and funny and like we're just all saluting or have our hands over our heart and it was just a really fun little moment and something I appreciated a lot like I was glad to kind of get out of my comfort zone in that moment and be like no like it would be sort of fun to get up there and do something patriotic because everyone knows I love that and I think they're I don't know, I think they have affirmed me, like, in my voice or whatever, and so it's just kind of fun to get up there and be goofy, and then, um, but also respectful, of course, because it's the national anthem, um, but then afterwards, people just did a wide array of random, like, dances, um, and, like, I don't know, competitions and stuff up there, it was really funny, um, I was laughing a lot and eating popcorn and stuff, I've also started to re-watch the Bobby Kennedy documentary on Netflix, it's called Bobby Kennedy for President, 
And this is the fourth time now that I'm watching it because more people wanted to watch it with me and were asking me about it. And they're like, I'd love to watch it with you this month. So we have like a little group of us that are starting to get together to watch it, um, which I love. I have not gotten tired of it. I was watching the beginning of an episode last night and like got chills all over again. It's super great. You should check it out. (laughs) Um, I've also found myself missing random things from home this month. Um, but God kind of keeps reminding me of what I do have and that I can be satisfied in all seasons and material things don't dictate my happiness. I think we're just kind of getting close to the, the middle of our world race and it gets hard sometimes when you're wearing the same clothes over and over and eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches every day for lunch and just random stuff like that like just little things that just kind of hit you in unobvious ways and you're just like oh like why do I kind of feel crappy today like I feel like I'm lacking something but um I don't know he's just sort of taking me through this little season and obviously I'm super grateful to be here and know that my character is just being shaped in new ways every day um with that also I am only two thousand dollars away from being fully funded to stay on the race so if you're interested in giving 10 or 20 dollars just one percent of what i have left you can go to morganewhite.theworldrace.org and make a tax deductible donation to keep me on the field for the rest of the year we're getting super close and i fully trust that god's going to provide and it'll take however long it needs to the majority of the squad is fully funded but there's like i don't know maybe seven of us six or seven of us who are left and um I don't know. Honestly, at this point, I'm pretty peaceful about it, but I just trying to figure out new ways to get in contact with people while we don't have Wi-Fi every day. So um, anytime we do have the uh, luxury of having Wi-Fi at like a random coffee shop or whatever, like I am trying to ask different people. But um, yeah, if you're a listener of this podcast and you haven't donated yet, um, seriously, like five or ten dollars, twenty dollars, it helps out a lot um, and it adds up really quickly. But now I'm going to sort of switch gears after that update. I don't know. I hope that kind of gave you some detail of what's been going on. It's only been about two weeks now in, it's technically called East Watini. I should mention that. I've been calling it Swaziland because that's what I've been used to for the past year and a half that I've been prepping for the race. But it is technically East Watini now. They recently changed it because the letter Z is not in their alphabet. And I guess whichever European power that was over them for a while had made it Swaziland, but that's not technically honoring their alphabet even in their language. So once they claim their independence, they changed it back over to East Swatini. So I am also trying to revert my brain back to the actual name, but I even hear locals call it Swaziland, so they're not super like harsh about it or anything or strict, but um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now I want to switch gears and give you a short little history message to end the podcast with, if you would love to hear something like that. I've been learning more about World War II the past few months. Some people kind of yawn whenever they hear that, and they're like, oh boy, here we go. But honestly, it's it's just one of the most pivotal uh, parts of world history. It's just such a monumental time. Um, and it's also very um, overwhelming to kind of take on if you're trying to learn more about it. But these are just a couple of really interesting things that I have found recently and some stuff that's been cleared up. But um, also really focusing on Franklin Roosevelt's role and his importance during that time period. There's this really great quote um, that I heard in a documentary one time. And it said, There have been three presidents who were larger than the office that they inherited. One was Washington, who fairly invented the office. 
There was Lincoln, who preserved the country at the center of which sits that office. And then there was Roosevelt, who fundamentally changed the relationship of the citizen to the central government. I just love that quote because that almost in itself is why I love studying the president so much because there were certain men who were just brought up at the exact right time. I would even argue God ordained people like who God specifically put in those positions when the country needed it most. And you have George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Franklin Roosevelt, three of like the most important ones, I would say. Um, and so I just love that because Roosevelt's uh, role specifically was kind of changing the way that the office worked by the relationship between average citizens and the government and Congress and the president himself. Um, the office of the presidency is like a soft glove, they say, stretched by whoever wears it. FDR was faced with the two greatest crises since the Civil War. Um, the country was depressed and Franklin was the perfect solution since he was constantly positive and inspirational to the people. Even after dealing with his own disappointments, um, he thought every problem could be solved. And he honestly brought a lot of security and peace of mind to the people through his fireside chats, through his um, different ways of communicating to the public and the federal programs and things like that just really helped get the country out of a dark place and through some of the hardest times that we had experienced. Um, someone had told him, you will either be our best president or our worst president. And he said, if I fail, I will be our last president. We could easily spend a whole podcast talking about him, but just know that the war would not have been as successful without him. And the office of the presidency would not look as it does today without him. The economy turned around during the war and created so many jobs that we had our first labor shortage for the first time in many years. One random fact is that Ford Motor Company stopped producing cars during the war and started making military vehicles, and they were actually producing a tank every 15 minutes and an airplane, a bomber, every hour. A lot of people also get confused about the progression of the war as far as our involvement goes, like kind of how we got to Europe and whatever, like where did we start? But after the attack of Pearl Harbor that led to the U.S. declaring war on Japan, we started fighting in Asia, in the Asia Pacific, to help the nations that were being attacked by the Japanese while we were still sending aid and assisting England and the Soviet Union while they were fighting the Nazis in Europe. We were still like in the Asia Pacific for a long time. And then we moved over to northern Africa to drive out the Nazis and finally moved up into Europe to combat Germany from the west while the Soviets were moving in from the east and sort of trapped the Nazis in the middle that eventually led to their surrender. Um, that's a very broad, like, overview, but, like, just to kind of give you some, like, clarification on that, because a lot of, a lot of the big picture can oftentimes get, um, missed and lost in, like, small details and stuff, but, um, the last thing I'll say about World War II, there's this really interesting connection between World War II and the civil rights movement of the 1960s, which is easily one of my favorite decades to talk about, as you might know. But World War, World War II greatly impacted the civil rights movement um, because when African Americans who were serving in the war, they saw the genocide and inhumane treatment of the Jews and other people groups abroad during the war, and sort of, and then they come back home. But then they thought, what would it take, what type of leader would it take, or what event would cause this same type of mass genocide to happen in the States to us? Because they were still um, being treated terribly in the States, um, very unfairly, very inhumanely at times. Um, so they were sort of thinking like, wow, if this kind of thing can happen in Europe, 
to this sort of like minority group and to this group that's just been ostracized um like what would it take for the same thing to happen to us so um black veterans came home with those painful memories and were scared for their own future they were still being segregated at the time even in war and were treated unfairly in the states and were hesitant to fight in the war against bigotry when it was being tolerated at home bigotry against them like they were being shown bigotry um so in the 50s and 60s, the immediate decades after the war, that immediately propelled the African Americans to stand up for themselves in the States. Um, it's just this really cool connection of what sort of led um, and motivated them to actually try to work for change in the States. And it's a little eerie to think about, but definitely worth mentioning and discussing. And I just really like that connection. I think it's super important to note. But uh, yeah. That's all I have for right now, I guess. <laughs> kind of a random place to stop. But um, yeah, thanks for listening and keeping up with my world race journey. Um, whether you do that on just through the podcast or my blogs on morganewhite.theworldrace.org or uh, maybe you follow on Instagram at American Morgan with a little underscore there in the middle or Facebook or however you have been keeping up with. I'm super grateful. Um, as always, I'll try to be more consistent with when I release a new podcast. But... I can't make any promises. Yeah, okay, thanks. (laughs) See you next time. Bye.